Yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like if two mind readers read each other's minds, would they just be reading their own mind? Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I'm your host. You leave this show with more than you arrive with. Something to think about there. I will tell you, not many people know this. I used to do a dog mind reading act. Did you know that? I could go up to any dog and say, think of any color, and it was always gray. The audience was always very impressed. <sighs> Welcome to the show. More questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious supernatural unusual bizarre and just plain weird if you've just tuned in especially to hear the show then i admire your taste if you've just tuned in by accident then i admire your luck i am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the midwest plains with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door now each week we press our ear against the bedroom wall. Whatever my mother listens to before she goes to bed picks and pulls on her unconscious mind and that's the very tune she snores. Let's have a listen tonight. Better psycho killer. Qu'est-ce que say? Bit of talking heads there for my mother. She's listening oh, to some theme songs. Late 70s early 80s New York rock music. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and or value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce my guests. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and DVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. She's also our producer and sound engineer. Heather is thinking of moving to Alabama just so she doesn't have to keep scrolling through all of those other states when she signs up on websites. Welcome to the show, Miss Morris. <laughs> Hello. 
How are you? I'm here. You having a good week? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to get better. You'll win some points. You'll yeah. go home happy that good. you've won. Good. Everything to play for, of course. I just finished designing a website. Did you know that? For an orphanage. This uh, this one doesn't have a homepage, unfortunately. Oh. That's so bad. Scott is currently joining us from Duluth Superior. He's my team leader for the International Paranormal Society. Michelle was found behind the back of the dumpsters drunk tonight, so she can't <laughs> be <laughs> Poor on Michelle. air. But Scott joins us. Scott misses the good old days when he used to think that T-Mobile was actually a rapper. Welcome to the show, oh. Scott. Thank you very much, sir. Are you having a good week? I am having a good week. How about you? I'm doing very well. You're going to come in, win the points, and then scamper off back to Superior, aren't you, with this week's $33,000 IR camera. I can see what you're going to do there. I'm like the breeze. Yes, you are. I can vouch for that. I don't take my cell phone into the restroom as I don't want to share my IP address. Sitting unexpectedly opposite me now and not to my right is Dr. Nathan Bush, our resident attorney. Nathan discovered this week that two wrongs don't make a right. However, two rights do make an aeroplane. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Hi, Adrian. I blame the Wright brothers for inventing a machine that practically begs you to kick a family off it and then later settle out of court. Just thought I'd share that with you. <laughs> they are mad. They are bad. And they are paranormal. This is season three, episode 94. I was corrected by Miss Morris. Apparently last week I said it was episode 94. But apparently it wasn't. Tonight is episode 94. So somewhere along the line there's been a phantom episode that disappeared into the ether. We shall find that one day. It's the phantom... You did one in your head. Mystery. I always have to. Mystery yeah. episode. We'll have to track that down. It'd be like a legendary mystery episode that people have to find. Yeah. But apparently I've been informed, and I wouldn't argue with Miss Morris. She's a pioneer woman. She could cut a cord of wood in the morning and give birth in the afternoon, so I'm not going to mess with that. But this is Season 3, Episode 94. We currently have a listening party. We're about to jump both feet into the first round. That is a lack of general knowledge, and you can play along, boys and girls. You can go to more questions than answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook at this very minute, at this very moment, very existentialist, as we speak. You can go to that listening party and you can play along. There's lots of jokes, lots of frivolity, lots of banter. It's one big happy family. Having said that, I probably wouldn't want to be hanging out with my family, but there you go. It is available for you. If you find that, you can answer the questions and who knows, you may be top of the class. So that's there all for you. Nara's convention dictates with the landing gear, Martin's sponsored gong of infinite knowledge, the seat in the upright position of statistics and the do I look mad? I swear I just saw a face in the window of facts. Stand back ladies and gentlemen. Martin! I love that gong. That does usher in the first round proper that is a lack of general knowledge. I'm going to go for a very gothic very dark themed set of quizzes here. So Miss Morris is already looking very happy with her lot in life. Now on this day in 1967 the US actor Nelson Eddy died at the age of 65. I don't think you're going to know Nelson Eddy unless you're a fan of 1940s and 50s cinema and Universal Studios but I will tell you right now 
He was famous for playing the baritone Anatoly Gadon in the 1943 Universal Pictures version of Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera is here inside my pants. So for the first time in the history of MQTA Radio, I cannot believe that strange, bizarre and fascinating facts about Phantom of the Opera. Are you feeling confident, Miss Morris? No. I know for a fact Scott's going to get all these right up there in Duluth Superior. That's because you sent him the Because at Halloween, he sat next to me in a cinema and we sat and watched this on Halloween night. So I know he's going to score 100%. I can feel it. And if he doesn't, questions will be asked. Was he sleeping? Was he sat there? Eating Whoppers? We'll find Popcorn. out very shortly. In the 1925 silent movie version of The Phantom of the Opera, Lon Chaney put what in his eyes to make them look cloudy? There you go. What did Lon Chaney put into his eyes to make them look cloudy? Now, I will tell you while you're chewing and ruminating on your answer that he attached p- piano wire to his nose, pulled it over his head and put it under his bald cap, which made his nose, you know, look like it was a snout. And apparently he used to bleed profusely. He suffered for his For art, the role. For the role. This is very, very mm. true. But he wanted to make his eyes look a little cloudy. So he put something... Vaseline. ...in them. He put Vaseline in his eyeball. Is that what you're suggesting? I guess. Okay. That would suck. Yes, you'd be blinded. What's petroleum jelly for external yes. use only? You're putting it in your eye. Yes. Oh my, you'd be blind, wouldn't you? I know boxers put it on their eyebrows, don't they, before a or fight? Or soap. So you're spreading your chips liberally here. You're going to go soap. Well, they'd just look bloodshot at that point, wouldn't they? Sure. You're going to go with soap slash Vaseline. Yeah. That's a good Saturday night out for anybody. Sure. How was MarsCon for you last weekend? Lots of Vaseline and soap? Sure. Probably could have happened. Could have happened. Wow. Scott, you've had plenty of time to think of your answer. You sat next to me on Halloween night in the Sheldon Theatre in Red Wing. We watched Phantom of the Opera from 1925 as a gentleman fiddled with his organ at the front. It was very fun and with exciting. With soap and Vaseline. Well, I can't vouch for that. It was dark. Anything could have gone on in the... Dark. In, in the footlights. <laughs> this is very true. Scott, what do you think he put in his eyeballs to make them look cloudy? I think he made a paste out of flour and water. He made a paste out of flour and water. By the way, we've no idea whether Scott's cheating or not. He's had plenty of time to go online. He's got a computer in front of him. I understand what's going on. I I heard the click of keyboards there in the background. Scott is claiming that he made up a paste of flour and water. He's basically putting unleavened bread in his eyes is what you're suggesting there. Now, Nathan, shout me out an answer. What do you think he may have put in his eyes? Talcum powder. He's going for talcum powder. I cannot give the points away tonight. I thought someone may have got this, and it is quite grim, to be honest. He put egg whites in his eyes. So actually, you know, with a pipette, perhaps, or a spoon, he separated the yolk from the egg white, and he put egg whites in his eyes. I don't recommend... doing it wrong. ...that you do that. Why? Was she trying to make an omelette or something? Yeah. Wow. Yes, that would be bad. Certainly not something you'd want to be doing. Phantom of the Opera, of course, is a musical about a deformed Frenchman who tries to find true love. Not to be confused with Beauty and the Beast, which is a musical 
about a deformed Frenchman that tries to find true love. And we don't want that to be confused with The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is a musical about a deformed Frenchman who wants to find true love. <laughs> it's all very strange and bizarre. I've got a great idea for a play, guys. It's going to involve a deformed Frenchman. It's going to be a musical, and he's trying to find true love. I have found the plan. I have found the schematic that's going to make us rich right there. Well, I hope so. We can make that work. Now, in the original 1909 Gaston Leroux novel, what was the Phantom's first name? We're on first name terms Phil. with the Phantom. Phil the Phantom. <laughs> that sounds like a wrestler. Phantom Phil. And Bad Boy Brian. <laughs> Bad Boy Brian and Phantom Phil. That's right. Friday night only in the bingo hall in the VFW in Worthington. Perhaps Come and see it Bad was Boy Brian. Philippe. Oh, I see what you've done there. <laughs> the guy that invented the open toed sandal in France. Yes. Yes. Mr. Flop. Philippe Flop. <laughs> <laughs> I love. This show. I've told that joke before, but I like it so much. I don't care. It's a winner. Do you know you have those jokes that you like? It's like a, a film. It's very comforting. You know, you go back and watch the same film over and over again. What film would you watch over and over again just because you love it and it doesn't matter how many times you see it, Miss Morris? What would you say? Tommy Boy. You like? Yeah, you like Tommy Boy. Yep. It's not a mark that's here or here. It's kind of... Housekeeping. <laughs> what kind of housekeeping is this? Housekeeping. New guy in the corner puking his guts out. You love it all, don't you? <laughs> You're going to hit me or kiss me like your mother? Ooh. Nathan, do you watch any films over and over again just because you love them? No. No, you don't have a TV, do you? I don't have the time. You have no furniture and he doesn't have the time. He's too busy suing people. <laughs> Scott, what's your guilty pleasure? And bearing in mind this is a family show, what would you watch over and over again that you don't mind seeing many, many times? Saddles. Blazing Saddles. See, that's a good one. There are always films that have lots going on and you miss stuff and you see stuff. For me personally, I think I'd have to go with Groundhog Day. I love Groundhog Day. I'd watch Bill Murray forever in the same film over and over again. Ghostbusters would be another one. Mm-hmm. I must have seen that show a million times. Ah, one more. One more. And all of our listeners, by the way, and our listening party can chip in with the films that they don't mind seeing over and over again. Planes, trains... And automobiles. Those aren't pillows. Those aren't pillows. I like the little dog. Ugh, he's trying to grab the gloves. <laughs> this is very true, but I am treading water because you're saying it's Phil. Phantom Phil's the man you have to avoid. Yeah. Philippe. Philippe. Was his first name. Do you, you don't actually know this, do you? Nope. Nathan, what do you think the Phantom's first name in the book actually was? Francois. Francois. Scott, you must know this because you sat through this film with me not more than six months ago and I'm sure you was paying attention, right? So what was his first name, sir? Did they actually say his name? I have no idea. I'm just trying to make <laughs> you feel bad for not getting any of these right. I don't think they did, perhaps. Marcus! Just in the, did they say it? It was a silent film, you muppet. Did they say it? <laughs> Remember, there was no words. That's why there was oh, a man yeah. at the front so playing an organ. Ah... <laughs> uh. I was feeling bad then for giving you a hard time. Did they say it in the film? Let me guess. No, they didn't. How's that? Have a stab in the dark. What would a phantom be called? What would be the most scariest, darkest name? Anton. Anton. It's actually Eric. His name's Eric. 
Eric the Phantom. I love it. I liked Phil. Yeah, Eric. No one's got any points. See, we need Michelle. No one's one's winning. She would have known. She would have cheated. That's what would have happened. Now, Eric plays the organ full blast while Christine sleeps, but it's only the monkey that wakes her up. Tell me how that works. She only wakes up when the monkey fiddles with her. When the organ's going full blast, she's nanai and doesn't wake up. I've never been able to work that out. Now, why did Lon Chaney's parents give him the perfect start for performing in silent films? I love this quiz, by the way. I'm really enjoying myself. Because they told myself. him to shut up. They told him to be quiet and <laughs> shut up. Go sit in the corner. That's right. Go and turn the handle on the Vitrola. Yes. That was a small child's job in the Edwardian period, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then when you got a little older and you're our age, it was our job to turn the TV over. The youngest kid had to go and turn the TV. The little dial had to be turned They around. had quiet time all the time. They had it's all the time, time was quiet time. It's quiet time. It's quiet time. Yeah. And that was the perfect start for him in silent films, do you think? Yeah. Let's see what's happened there. Nathan, shout out an answer. Why did his parents give him the perfect start in performing in silent films? I agree with Heather. You've got no answer. No. Scott, any <laughs> thoughts, any ideas? It's going to push this show further down the road and you're going to grasp yourself some slippery points of love. They were professional mimes, so they taught him to be very expressive with his facial uh, expressions and with his hand movements. I tell you what. If you combined Heather's answer with your answer, you're kind of going in the right direction. Does anyone want to jump in? You're very, very close. I'm wondering if I can give you a They clue. wore earplugs. It was very quiet in his household. I mean, they didn't have quiet time, but it was very quiet in his household. They were deaf or mute. Oh, there we go. Scott's got the point. Nathan was going to jump in, but he missed his opportunity. I'm glad I can give you your first points of the evening both of his parents were a hundred percent deaf so he had to grow up you know being very expressive i can be expressive you know making lots oh i see what you've done you're giving my oh you want one point or two points oh you're giving me two points you do realize there's a camera in this studio and people can watch this if they go to patreon.com now it's no good smiling and doing that how many points do you want Lots. You want lots of points, do you? Wow. Well, they were both deaf. They met at the Colorado School. You'd never have this now, of course. They met at the Colorado School for the education of mutes. And they he had to overemphasize his facial expressions as a child to get anything across. Can you imagine your first day at school, in mute school in Colorado? Can you imagine what their roll call was like in the morning? Mary? Mary's not here. Okay. John? Dave, Susan, that'd be bad, wouldn't it? No? You're terrible. I thought that was funny. Also on this day, and bringing a lovely dark and gothic feel to the show, in 1831, Edgar Allan Poe was removed from the West Point Military Academy. He was court-martialed. He got to the highest position it was possible to get to, in the military without being a commissioned officer. He was a sergeant major, but he went out of his way to get court-martialed. He didn't want to be there anymore. He wanted 
a writing career so for the first time in the history of mqta radio i cannot believe that strange bizarre and fascinating facts about edgar Allan poe you can't complain can you phantom of the opera followed by edgar Allan poe well, and it's free by the way you're tuning in and it's free what more could be free that's better than that miss morris feeling confident no fantastic when edgar was just 15 he achieved local fame by doing what in virginia's james river so he did this in the river and everyone was talking about it and he became famous locally in his town and he did it when he was just 15 years of age to win your wet damp sodden points you need to tell me what edgar Allan poe did in that river the longest dead man's float the longest dead man's float were just laying there yeah well you'd be swept away in short time wouldn't you you'd be out and into the gulf of mexico within 24 hours sure you're saying he did the longest dead man's float ever recorded in that town yeah like there's a competition for that yeah dead man's float yep <sighs> nathan shout an answer out for me he was peeing he was peeing i th- he was a european he was peeing, and that's what was famous, was it? He peed in the river. Yes. And that's what won fame and infamy when he was 15. That's what you want to be known by in your local town, isn't it? Weeing in the local river. Scott, what do you think he was doing in the James River when he was 15 years old that made him famous in his town? He was... I have no idea. He was... What would you do in a river? What have you done in a river? No, we don't have time for that. No, that is true. Wow. No time. In he, some parts of the world, this little fish that swim up your urethra gets stuck urethra? while you're having a wee. Urethra Franklin. Yeah. And they hold all night parties and they keep you awake all night. It's very embarrassing. He rescued a drowning person. He rescued a drowning person. Does anyone want to jump in with anything at this stage before I give... Caught the biggest fish. The <laughs> It was noodling. <laughs> yeah, noodle. I will tell you, he swam six miles up the river against the current, and this was a huge Whoa. feat, apparently, and it made him very famous. There you go. Did I've... he float at any of those times? No, he did most of it underwater like a torpedo. <laughs> My dad is incredibly heavy in the water. He's not a big man. He's only five foot six. He's not large by any means. But the guy's just not buoyant. He could easily swim a mile, but he'd have to be underwater all along the bottom. He swims like a torpedo with his chest scraping. He can't keep afloat. Very odd phenomenon. He's got heavy blood or lack of oxygen in his body, one of the two. But that was always the joke. My dad could do a mile, but he'd have to be underwater and he'd be scraping along the bottom. I always imagined Edgar Allan Poe going up to his publisher. How would you describe? Imagine I have to pitch to my publisher what I'm going to do next. There's a synopsis, right? And you have to claim and stake what your plans are and what you're doing next. The Raven. Can you imagine this? Going up to your publisher. This is the theme. I'm reading and then I see a bird. I don't know what more you can say. That's it. What publisher would pick that up? It's ridiculous. Now, we're going to win some points. I'm sure of that. What did Poe not have until 1845 just four years before his death what did he not have until just four years money before that is true yeah 100 percent true four years before he lived in abject poverty do you know you have this romanticism about the artist the poet you know living in abject poverty 
you know George Elwell writing you know down and out in Paris and London and you know, a job bread and cheese he had for the first time just four years before his death despite the fact that you know he was a sergeant major in the army a job yes so a writing he was job. Poor. it wasn't until the latter end of his life that he actually started making some money from his writing but you're suggesting a job a writing so writing's not job. a job then is what you're saying yeah being a poet slacker it's not wow yeah, I just sit at home all day. Look at my lily white soft hands. Never seen a day's work. I know. I've worn all the keys down on my laptop, though. So you're suggesting he never had a job until four years before his death. A paid writing job. A paid writing job. He was adopted, by the way. Both of his parents died, and he was actually adopted. He, uh, The name Poe was his original name, but Alan was his adopted parents that were quite wealthy, actually. They had a little bit of money. That didn't help him, of course, when he was uh, struggling. And I don't think his uh, parents were very happy, his adoptive parents, with the fact that he was court-martialed out of the military, didn't go down very well. But you're suggesting money? Well, a proper job. Nathan, what did he not have until four years before his death? An intimate partner. An intimate partner. Scott, you've had plenty of time to think of a decent answer. What do you think? Well, I got all this time, and then Nathan takes my answer. I was going to say sex, but how about a wife? Wow. What, in the river? Let me give you a clue, and anyone can jump in. It's based on his appearance. A moustache. There are. Miss Morris gets herself a lovely couple of hairy caterpillar points, and she is now up to two and has broken her duck. He did not have a moustache until just four years Took him that long to grow it, huh? Yes, he was a That's slow nice. grower. There you go. He was a very, very good-looking chap. Do you know that? We only see pictures of him in later life, and he's, you know, hair's disheveled, and he's looking a little bit worse for wear due to the poverty he's suffered. But there's been many descriptions, and many people write about his appearance in his youth, and he was claimed to be a very, very good-looking lad. I just thought I'd share that with you. His eyes were actually described as being violet at one point which is quite remarkable but it was in fact yes his famous moustache there you go Edgar Allan Poe being emo before emo was cool what name did Edgar Allan Poe like to be called what did Sid. he call himself Sidney Poe Sidney <laughs> Sidney Allan Poe there goes Sid good old Sid You're gonna, where did that come from I don't know that's just psychic vibes is it <laughs> You're being psychic getting your answers, are you? Sure. You're gaining the word Sydney from yep. the collective consciousness. Or George. In the <laughs> George would make a bit more sense because we had King George, King William, and then Queen Victoria throughout his lifetime. George Paul. George, good old Georgie Poe. <laughs> Georgie Porgy Pudding and Pie kissed the girls and made them cry. Yeah. When the boys came out to play, kissed them too. He's funny that way. So, you're going to go with Sidney and George. Nathan, pick a boy's name. Raven. Raven. He went by the name of Raven. Scott, give me an answer. What did he like to be called? Eddie. You are 100% correct. Did you know that or was that a guess or have you been cheating? I just guessed. I mean, Ed, Edgar, Eddie. Why wouldn't it? <laughs> I know this is hard to believe, but common sense, I don't know how many times you've listened to the show, but common sense is normally in short supply, so I'm glad you're bringing that Who needs to it? the forefront of this evening as Miss Morris takes a swig 
of our alcoholic libation yeah. tonight. It was, in fact, Eddie. Eddie Allen Poe is a great name, isn't it? He's just a Poe boy. Nobody loves him. Now, who was Edgar Allan Poe's first crush? And let your imagination run wild. Well, we've already discovered that his mum died when he was a little boy. Adopted mum. His adopted mother. Well, that wouldn't be strange then, would it? Cause adopted sister. Flesh. God. Let me get me responses out. I'm cracking jokes here and you're butting in. <laughs> so you're going with... So first of all, you went with his dead mum. Now you went with his stepmom, and now you've thrown in his stepsister. Yes. That doesn't leave many answers for the boys, does it? Well, it does if it isn't any one of them. And I would tell you right now that it isn't. <laughs> <gasps> oh, you went, you went for three answers. You went for red, black, and the uh, green zero Double o. on the roulette wheel, and still came up. You have to be pretty special, don't you, to bet on black, red, and the green zero on the roulette wheel, and still lose. Oh, the ball true. flies out and disappears under a table and everyone's on their hands and knees yeah. looking for that. Nathan, we do have some extended members of his family still to go, plus anyone else you want to throw in. Who was Edgar Allan Poe's first crush? I have no clue. His, his aunt. His aunt. Yet yeah, you're still going through members of his family. Well, it can't be his grandma. <sighs> she had a touch of Parkinson's, which wasn't the end of the world. Stop you know it. What I'm saying? Stop it. Scott. Who do you think he had his first crush on? His nanny. His nanny. No one's got the right answer. Let me tell you that it is very common for 15-year-old boys to have a crush on this person to the point where they make films of a rather adult nature about such themes. So I've been told. Their teacher. Well, we're going down the right path, but it's not the teacher. Principal. No, let's step out of education from <laughs> milkmaid. <sighs> nope. Scott, you live up all on your own there. You must have a good understanding of the genre. What Baker. would a 15-year-old boy have a crush on? Their babysitter. Their babysitter. Yeah, you're still not getting it. I'm sure Facebook is blowing up. Was that neighbor there you said, Scott? neighbor yes yeah you're wrong as well unfortunately i can't believe i've got to give you this answer it was his best friend's mother that's victorian milf right there that's his best friend's mother her name was mrs jane stannard and she died when he was just 15 years old and he wrote love poems about her passing you acted like everybody had that did you i'm trying to think no i can't i can i can, I can recall my best friend's mothers and uh, that that's not a place we went to no. <laughs> now if we're talking about my french teacher at school that's a whole new i'm sure yeah she dropped the chalk once and i had to excuse myself but yes wow he actually wrote a poem about this woman he said uh, roses are red violets are blue go to the gym there we go that was then but uh. this is now as we come to our favorite part of the show it's the mailbag we love the mailbag. I love listening and looking at your comments. If you wish to write in, you can do that on Facebook or you can send me an email. Why not write in and tell me your favorite parts of the show, the things that tickled your fancy. We would love to know what they are. If you send me any bad ones, I'll send those straight to my mother. Tracy has written in. She's living down south, I believe, in Florida. Florida! Florida. Hi, Tracy. And a little bit in Kansas as well, if my memory serves me right. Tracy has written, I'm a big fan 
of the Bee Gees. And I was in stitches every time last week that you sang Massachusetts during the last episode. I hope you will read this out during the mailbag sermon just so I can hear you sing Massachusetts again. Your wish is my command, Tracy. (sighs) You can listen in with Tracy every week. If you go to the Dark Matter Digital Network at 10 p.m. Central Time, we have 100,000 listeners in 190 countries all over the world. And if you missed me singing Massachusetts last week, much to Heather's consternation, I will tell you very shortly how you can track those episodes down. So you needn't miss my dulcet tones, my singing voice of the golden pipes. Now, Laurel has written, I missed the MQTA listening party i was so sad amazing how all of you have become friends and such a happy part of my life i look forward to it so much hi laurel that's fabulous isn't it it is we are one big happy family of love and shenanigans now miss morris yes i would like you to tell our listeners how they can access the show on patreon and what they get for their single dollar if you go to Patreon and you either go via our link or MQTA Radio should get you there, you will come up with um, very... You'll get film footage. You'll get lots of We're going to wait. There's an actual video camera in the studio right now. You will see us in the studio and we're waving to that camera right now. We're a very good looking group of people. Yes. Which is lucky that Scott's on the phone somewhere in Duluth. <laughs> You're still there, Scott. No, he is not. He's gone, is he? He's but disappeared we'll into the ether, but we shall track him down. Whilst Miss Morris is pulling the string tool on two cocoa cans, we are going to retrieve Scott. But you can go for a single dollar. There we are. This is the local pizza company. Yeah. Perfect. I'll have a pepperoni. Can I have a large pepperoni deep pan pizza with pineapple, please? Large Coke. Yes. Why did you hang up on me? Do you do uh, <laughs> do you do liver pizzas? Can you do can you do oh, liver? Oh, that's disgusting. What? Well, my local pizza place said they do liver, so I rang them up and said, "Can you do liver?" Oh. A nice liver pizza. <laughs> oh, so to get back to what I was going to say, Scott tell... went off. Yeah, he went to off to find the answers to the quiz questions. I know he did. That's how it works. But what I was going to say on Patreon, you also get lots of video when they get up there, as well as early release episodes, and very, very fun episodes that you won't find anywhere else. Yes, as we've as done well. special episodes yeah, that can't be plays. found anywhere else. There's radio plays, there's video right. footage. What can you buy for a dollar these days? This show's free. It will always be free, but we don't make any money. We break even. We have to pay for all of the platforms that we're about to read out, all of the equipment in the studio. And you want to be first. The pizza deliveries, phone calls to Scott because he's clocking up the minutes there on my Booze. on my plan. This is very... Well, you drink. I've got a cup of tea here. Look at that. Lovely cup of tea. An yeah. Englishman and a cup of tea are never very far apart. Lisa, a good friend and patron. She's a patron supporter. Yeah. Lisa and John. She said, going to be a great start to the weekend. Happy hour and MQTA tonight. What more could you possibly want? Denise added, listening to season three, episode 85 on SoundCloud. I have listened to all of the episodes in order. That's more than what I've done. Oh, God. Adrian, 
I'd keep those glasses on around Heather. You don't want her to throw another piece of candy at your eye. <laughs> that was very true. Apparently, that was season three, episode 85. You was launched it? across the room. <laughs> oh. There's a good 20 foot between us here. Yes. And you launched a candy, and it actually hit me on my reading glasses. That was hilarious. I would have been blinded. By in, the light. In one eye. This is very <laughs> true. My... Uh, Death perception would have been ruined for the rest of my life. So uh, would have been funny. Could have wore a patch. Goodness, yes. I'd rather have death perfect. Death, death per- perfection. Oh. <laughs> I always try and achieve death perfection on a Friday night after the show, but I never quite make the dizzy and hedonistic hikes of death perfection. I want to start a rock band. That's a great name for a band. I know. <laughs> that Heater or Martin will be listening to this in New York and sometime during the course of next week there'll be an album cover with the band Depth Perfection. called Depth Perfection. That's a great name. <laughs> Let me write that down. I'm not messing around. This is serious. <laughs> I love this show. That's awesome. Yes. Would you like to tell everyone where they can access for free Season 3, Episode 85 for the Candy Throwing Death Perfection episode <laughs> on SoundCloud, Miss Morris. Yeah, you can go to SoundCloud, Castbox, tune in. Brussels Sprouts, uh, Froggy Winner Caught In. That's right. If you can't find us, it's your problem. I, You're going to take full responsibility. That's it's got right. nothing to do with me. We are literally on every platform. If you cannot find us, I don't know what kind of platforms you're using. You're Everything doing. that you can possibly listen to from music through to podcasts, we are on MQTA or more questions and answers, MQTA Radio. All of those searches will point you in the right direction and if you're listening on soundcloud now why not press the little orange love heart and tell us how much you appreciate what we do would you like to tell the boys and girls the crazy kids about the not for your mother section they have a reason for finding us in our archives and they have a reason for finding us on patreon what would that reason be morris because we're special well, you are. Get your helmet. We're going for a ride. <laughs> oh, you're terrible. And your crowns. Because you get a chance to listen to everything else we search on the internet, which is the not for yo mama stories. These are the stories we find apparently by accident when we're searching for the paranormal. They're stories of an adult nature. We cannot read them out on air for fear of being removed because they're full of stories that contain vast amounts of dribbling moist naughtiness naughtiness they are covered liberally in a very stubborn stain of slime lovely and you will find an extra 15 (laughs) to 20 to 25 minutes of filth that we cannot read out on air but apparently people tell me it's their favorite part it is fun what's wrong with you people what's wrong with you i'm trying to do culture here they're enablers they are enablers i'm being shot down in flames as we speak if you want to bring some culture into your life, I do have books available. I've written Mysterious Minnesota, Mysterious Midwest. That has a foreword written by Megadeth and David Ellison, their bass player, if you wish to look at those. They're all about urban legends and ghosts and hauntings, and all of them have five stars on Amazon. So thank you for all of those people that have written those reviews. I've also written Ghosts and UFOs, Connecting paranormal phenomena through quantum physics that's selling very well at the moment and i very rarely mention this how to be a christian psychic what the bible says about mediums healers and paranormal investigators and if you wish to go to youtube search for how to be a christian psychic with adrian lee i've read three chapters for 
free. Three for free. There you go. That's good. I've written a chapter on stones and crystals, on healing and on meditation. So if you're not sure that book's for you, or you wish to fall asleep tonight, to my what are you trying to, to say? my to, well, you'll be amazed how many people say I love listening to your voice. It makes me fall asleep. Yeah, me too. I might start a service <laughs> where I read bedtime stories. I'm just just ignoring Nathan's the best thing to do. She's over there in the background. She's gone through half a bottle of wine already. Look at that. I can see half the bottle's gone. Yeah. That is a miniature, to be fair. Though. <laughs> I think that was one of the bottles of wine that one of our our listeners supporters sent. one of our listeners i think that may have been lisa and john actually if it isn't i apologize but i think that is one of theirs because i got some tea at the same time i'm sat there with my tea you're sat there with a bottle of wine yeah everybody's happy we also have a twitter account at adrian underscore lee underscore tips we have about ninety four thousand followers on there now i unfortunately missed what we do every tuesday me too yeah, I'm sorry. We did get over three, four hundred comments. Though, I bet. Well, Miss Morris, would you like to tell our listeners what they can do on a Tuesday night if they miss us at 8 p.m. Central Time? They can tune in to the History Channel and watch Oak Island with their favorite beverage of choice, and then jump on over to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee's Facebook page, and join us and have gift wars and laugh. Now, I will tell you. Yeah. I've mentioned this on the show before, but for the last 11 to 12 weeks, I've been taking classes in Minneapolis. Uh I've been doing voiceover classes with a very famous actress who teaches voiceover classes. Her name's Jessica Mraz. I've been doing a class full of other actors. Not that I class myself as an actor. It's very interesting seeing I'm the oldest person there and all these young, enthusiastic actors are mincing around. It's very funny. But... Unfortunately, they're now going to be for the next four weeks on a Tuesday night. So my prayers have been answered in many respects. God has been smiling on me. And I'm not going to be around for the next four weeks. So you're going to have to tell me, Miss Morris, what happens on the Curse of Oak Island. I can tell you right now. Go on. Two words. Bobby Dazzler, coconut fiber. Rusty nail. Rusty nail. You're out. Um, Knights. Double Templar. denim. <laughs> We've pretty much covered everything there by using the hyphen, haven't we? End of the year. <laughs> I do believe they found some coconut fibre this week, I've been told. And uh, they did that twice before in 2018 and 2015. Same coconut. It's the same. Co- <laughs> bloody big coconut, this, isn't it? Huge coconut. But you're going to have to tell me what happens. I'm doing voiceover. I want to do audio books. And they have me reading out adverts. It's hilarious. The new Arby's, Swiss cheese, piled high, melted Swiss with mushrooms come to arby's see what i'm doing there now i want a coupon very for it. funny i'm sure i can find you one somewhere Ooh. now scott's on four i don't know why he's not even in the studio I don't i'm know yet why to either. score i've got a duck egg heather's scored two nathan hasn't managed to shout any answers out apart from saying what she said and he is also on a duck egg as we go into the round that is ghosts and hauntings and remember we do not do orbs a museum has a real-life mystery and is apparently being haunted by the ghost of Agatha Christie and has even been caught on camera. Staff at Torquay Museum. Torquay's very famous, of course, because that's where the hotel was in 40, 40 Towers. Towers. They were in Torquay, weren't they? <gasps> yeah. Because he says, what did you expect to see through the window of a Torquay hotel? The plains of the Serengeti, if you recall such wonders. 
Now, the staff at Torquay Museum, based in the writer's hometown in Devon, say the spook is only knocking the British crime writer's books off the shelves. Very, very selective poltergeist activity. Volunteers at the gift shop believe her ghost could be behind the paranormal activity as it appears she only targets her own work. The museum is the only one in the UK with a Christie collection and several relics of her now demolished childhood home are kept there. Her adult home is owned by the National Trust and it's on the River Dart in Dartmouth. So you go up the estuary and you can visit the home by getting on a little ferry and it takes you up the Dart River to her to the little landing spot a jetty a dock and then you go and visit her house i've actually been to her house it's a fabulous oh, place sounds magical it's fantastic speculation of a haunting mounted when during one overnight ghost hunt the ghoul-like image of a woman was captured on camera since then cctv has shown leaflets mysteriously flying off shelves and staff and volunteers say they are now convinced the frequent poltergeist activity in the gift shop is the work of the author wanting a keyring or even a postcard? What? I made that up. I, I have call no idea it, what she wants. I call the bunk. If you are playing the bell bunk and snort drinking game, you are now welcome to take your first shot of the evening in the absence of Michelle's snorting. Gift shop manager Francesca Ferrara. She's uh-huh. wasted, by the way. Right. If your name's Francesca Ferrara, you're not working in a gift shop in Torquay in a museum, are you? You should be working in a chocolate shop. That's not quite what I was thinking, but <laughs> we're raising the bar, aren't we? Do you see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Francesca Ferrara. Stop it. <sighs> Claims she is. I don't even know the woman, and already I'm infatuated. I'm Francesca sure. Francesca Ferrara. Stop it. Claimed she has even seen the books fly off the shelves four times in the last year, and she said they were always Agatha Christie books. She even described on one occasion a customer being hit twice by her books on different sides of the shop. The pen really is mightier than the Uh sword. Francesca revealed they had a large... Ah! Stop throwing things! (laughs) Wow! (laughs) That missed my shoulder by four inches. (laughs) Hit me straight on the head. (laughs) Francesca revealed that they had a large... No! Stop looking for missiles. Had a large collection... This show finishes in 20 minutes. Let me get through this, for Christ's sake. Had a large collection of historical Hagatha Christie books and first editions. Can you believe they're keeping first editions in the library? They must be worth a fortune. I say we go to the library, steal all their books and sell them on eBay. Mm. The staff who have seen flying books think the strange phenomena could be linked to an enormous ladder in the corner of the same room. It is made from wooden floorboards salvaged during the demolition of Agatha Christie's former home, which she used to play on. But visitors to the museum said it's the sort of mystery that only Agatha Christie's famous detective characters could solve. Claire Salter wrote on Facebook, I don't think it's Agatha Christie. At most, it will be a spirit who could act as if it's her. In another incident, Ghostbusters were left stumped after fingers and thumbprints both appeared on the inside of a mummy's case. This is a museum we need to visit, isn't it? Museum manager Carl Smith said the weirdest thing was that we have a mummy, which we believe is Devon's only human mummy. During the night, on the inside of the case, we saw what we believe were handprints on the inside. It was pretty clearly two fingers and a thumb. The case had not been opened. I got two fingers. I've got a thumb. There you go. My mum... 
Went to the gynecologist last week and she got Stop. a thumbs up. Mm. The case has not been opened for several years. And last time it was opened, it took seven men to open it up, just like my ex. It was impossible for it to be opened by anyone else. It is something that we cannot explain as they were not there before the evening. It freaked a few people out. I don't know what they're seeing or a night in the museum. No. No, It's a second rhyme, but best, isn't it? You are bunking my story. I don't care. I'm giving myself two points for being informative and a little bit spooky. What have you got for me tonight in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings, Morris? Oh, paranormal investigators ventured into the rotting education offices and art college in Grimsby. Oh, God. And came away with two supernatural shots. Let me tell you right now that you do not want to be going into an art college in Grimsby. Grimsby got voted one of the worst towns in Britain recently. Have you seen the pictures of it? It literally looks like those schools you described. Stories. What? What? The abandoned schools. Yes, the roofs are caved in. It literally yep, it's that's rotting. That's the British education system for you, <laughs> and it does actually sound like an art college. I've been into abandoned schools where the roof's missing, seeds have blown, and then it's rained. I've opened the door, and a jungle has confronted me. That's right. I opened the door in the school in Bolton, and you could hear <laughs> I found two Japanese soldiers that thought the war was still on. Excellent. <laughs> two paranormal investigators ventured into an abandoned schoolhouse and came away with the shots of ghost children in action. The two ghost hunters, Graham and Tara, ventured inside the rotting educational offices and found the supernatural shots. The first taken by Graham is said to show three or four children hiding behind a wall. Really? Behind a wall? Behind a wall. I'm sorry, I'm already arguing with my story. You're bunking your own story. Yeah. Miss Morris, in a random moment of suicide, <laughs> has bunked her own story. Down in flames. Do persist for the benefit of our <laughs> listeners, though, won't you? Well, they said there were two children behind the wall while the other child walks towards them. Then how'd you take a picture of them, huh? Around the corner. I know. This photo, the photograph of the three or four children, because, you know, one might have split in two, was the first paranormal picture i've ever taken no it wasn't because it wasn't real you didn't take it doesn't exist start over it was only taken you're having an internal dialogue with yourself i am i'm arguing with myself (laughs) i'm guessing you're gonna win i always saves me from chipping in doesn't it (laughs) it was only taken on a samsung tablet on night camera mode see stupid It was taken in an old art college on Eleanor Street. He said it all started off as a laugh and he didn't notice anything out of the ordinary until looking back at his photographs the next morning. Guess what? I saw the pictures. There was nothing there. He was making it up. He added, we took pictures with the lights on and the lights off. We were just messing around and I was taking a load of pictures. I woke up the next morning and I had a look at what I had taken. Nothing. You took nothing. There was nothing there. I was really taken back by what I saw. I've been into paranormal since being a child. I am no longer scared of it. I thrive on it, to be honest. That was your first time. You said you would caught a ghost on camera. You didn't catch a ghost on camera. How can you say you're not scared? Because you haven't even encountered it yet. When zoomed it, what? Nothing. I'm just amazed by your internal dialogue. I'm sorry. Was I thinking out loud again? Wow. My doctor told me recently I was a paranoid schizophrenic, and I told him 
we didn't believe that. God. When zoomed... But I knew what he was thinking. <laughs> when zoomed in, you can see facial features of the first boy. Saw the pictures? No, you can't. He was sitting down beside three or four others. Still can't... How can you say it's three or four? You don't even know. Don't even know. Do we need to be here? <sighs> Cross-legged with what? his right arm to his right knee. Can't see it. Wasn't there. You can see more on the boy standing up. His facial features are much clearer. No, they're not. These were taken somewhere near the old swimming pool. This whole story's bunk. He didn't catch nothing. I've actually seen You've given and up, taken you? You lost the will to live. ghost pictures. This wasn't even close. I've taken ghost pictures of a dog. It was, uh, And Scott was petting it at the time, which was quite remarkable. I've taken color photographs of a guy that never had any. I've seen a horse fly. But have you seen a dragonfly? No, I've seen a housefly. <laughs> I know that I've seen everything. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, that how's that frog? Well. Not going very well, is it? <laughs> Croaked. Everyone's worst nightmare is a ventriloquist doll, isn't it? They seem to be very popular at the moment. Yeah. A ventriloquist doll mistaken for a dead body was branded as cursed after it was pulled from a river and took numerous attempts to burn. I'm not going... Back in the river. Back in Britain, there was a very, very famous radio ventriloquist whose name was Archie Andrews. And he actually did a ventriloquist act on the radio with a doll. And his entire career went up in flames when suddenly he tried to get onto the television and everyone could see his lips moving. I'd share that with Very true. Look it up. Archie Andrews. This sinister human-sized ventriloquist doll. By the way, the word ventriloquist is very interesting. It means venting like air coming out you have a vent don't you on the you have a ventriloquist suit. bottom wow again i'm not going back <laughs> in the box <laughs> the ventriloquist doll was mistaken for a dead body and it was hauled out of the river by villagers in mexico who were so creeped out they decided to burn it unfortunately the doll found wrapped in a blanket in the small town of San Antonio La Esperanza wouldn't burn so the community decided it was cursed it was still wet so the sodden waterlogged doll wouldn't burn and it was <sighs> cursed in a video the doll is seen lying on the earth with one eye blackened and burned but the other bright blue staring at you its hinged jaw gives the doll a creepy and scared appearance adding to the air of uneasiness that it radiates the human-shaped dummy was initially mistaken for a dead body but luckily it soon became apparent it wasn't real when it was unwrapped from the shore however it remains a mystery as to who the previous owner of the spooky mannequin was and why this person went to such great lengths to dispose of it in such a strange way after several attempts the villagers finally managed to burn it local media reports oh the joy of gasoline a watery tidal grave or just a mexican wave you decide go to our facebook site more questions than answers we are now by the aid of modern technology speeding our way along two hot chocolate cans and a piece of string stretched all the way to superior to Scott Kenner's house. What have you got for me tonight, Scott? I'm assuming you've got something there. In the round that we call Ghosts and Hauntings. Alright. Teen's piano practice interrupted by Ghost pulling up a chair to sit down. 
The 16-year-old daughter of a paranormal investigator was tickling the ivories at her home in Keedy, Northern Ireland, when she heard a strange sound and noticed the chair moving. The girl's piano practice was interrupted by a fan from beyond the grave, she has claimed. Ellie Keenan was tickling the ivories at her home in Keedy, Northern Ireland, when she says an empty chair moved twice by itself. The 16-year-old is the daughter of a paranormal investigator and learned from her mom to set the camera rolling if spooked by an unexpected noise. She said, I heard something, and I can remember my mom saying, if you ever hear anything, just video it in case you do catch something. So then I just started recording, and then that happened. I saw it out of the corner of my eye. The chair moved, and I jumped up in shock. I was startled and frightened. In the pictures from the moment, Ellie can be seen at the piano starting her recital when the chair suddenly shifts. Then she suddenly, no, then she cautiously play, begins playing again, keeping an eye on the chair. But when she settles into the piece and turns her attention to the keys, the chair moves once more, causing the teenager to leap up in fright. Mom, Sharon Moan, 43, is 100% convinced that something happened supernaturally. After sharing the videos with other ghost believers, she thinks a spirit may have been drawn there by the music. She said, some people think it's somebody pulling up a chair just to sit down, and other people have said, it's somebody just trying to get your attention. A lot of the time, it's somebody like family member who's passed on just calling in. But here, there's no real reason for any of that, unless it's somebody just welcoming us to their house, or they like your music. She continued, people can say there's somebody pulling a string or, or hiding across the room or whatever, but there definitely was not, 100% on my children's lives. That's pretty bold. I'm skeptical when I see things like this. I try to debunk everything, but I know my daughter, and I know she couldn't have done that with two hands on the piano and nobody else was there. It was, for me, definitely paranormal. Do you ever remember a time, Scott, when we've picked up music doing paranormal investigations? Does anything spring to mind when we've had that experience? We had we got the piano music when we were doing that outside investigation at the the Joseph Brown House, the John Brown House. Oh, Joseph that's Brown right. House. Yeah, we did the ruins of the Joseph Brown House. It was burnt down during the U.S. Dakota War back in 1862, and we picked up a lot of piano music, didn't we? And actually found I found a report saying that after the house was burnt down. They found the remains of a piano. I remember doing an investigation at the Manterville Theatre where I left a digital voice recorder on the actual piano and we left a controlled area there. That was you, wasn't it? You did that. That yeah, was about that was ten me. years ago. Duh. You picked up all the piano noise, didn't you? Yes, I did. I shall give Scott a couple of points for being rather spooky and very scary. I'm going to squeeze one more in. We've got two minutes. This is in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. I'm a celebrity winner. Joe Pasquale came into contact with a UFO on a late night drive. Joe Pasquale is a comedian in Britain who talks with a very squeaky voice. I'm a celebrity winner said he ran to his local police station after seeing an alien spaceship land on a field next to the M4 motorway. The TV funny man said the extraterrestrial experience in which he spotted the craft land on a field along the M4 motorway left him believing there are little green men 
living closer to the Earth than people think. It was before the days of mobile phones with cameras that the UFO Society said you need to draw a picture of it and he took it to the police station. I got home, painted it and ran to my local police station at 4am. The policeman said to me, are you kidding? I've just finished my shift. Go home. Joe is said to often be a regular visitor to various sci-fi and extraterrestrial conventions across the UK. If you wish to see the story in full, you can go to our Facebook site, More Questions and Answers, with Adrian Lee. We now enter the round that we call Not For Your Mother, which means that you have found us somewhere on our platform. So thank you for making the effort. We really appreciate that. Perhaps you could cut and paste the link that you're currently listening to on your Facebook or social media and tell the whole wide world that you're listening to Filth on the only Paranormal News Quiz show anywhere in the world. This is a round we cannot read out on air for fear of being removed. But we can do anything on the internet or anything on our platforms as you will soon discover. If your mother's of a nervous disposition, you might want to usher her out of the room. If you have small minors or children around, then let the child catcher take them in chitty chitty bang bang. And uh, that problem will be resolved. You have been warned Danny Polaris there's great names on this Danny Polaris do you know what a Polaris is it's a missile system like Trident Snowmobile well all will become well that is also true this will become very funny when I tell you this is a guided missile system Danny Polaris had to spend three weeks in hospital three whole weeks after a night out at a fetish club in Berlin left him with a painful erection a erection he literally broke his willy Another one? In a sex club. How many have you got? Lots seven of brides. Them. Seven brides for a man with seven willies was always the film I wanted to make. He broke his willy in a nightclub, a sex nightclub in Berlin, after being injected with a Viagra style drug and an enhancement. Where? Injection in Berlin, I keep telling you. Where was the injection at? That was in Berlin as well. Can they inject you anywhere? I mean, if you've got like an enhancement injection, what if you slip? And it goes in your neck. I mean, you've got a stiff neck for the rest what of the night. What if you slip and it goes in one of your balls? Well, there's suddenly Whoa. you've got a stiff ball, haven't you? Is what's gonna... <laughs> the worst thing about being in Berlin is if they slip and put it in your arm, you'll be walking around the Berlin no, nightclub with no, an arm out. No. no. That would, there's laws against that in Germany. You I know. You can't get arrested for doing no. that. Just saying. He was diagnosed with priapism, which, if not treated, can cause permanent damage to the what, so it stays straight all the time? Priapism, just slightly curved to the left. Hi, I'm curved slightly with tonight's oh, news. Oh, so you can get him around the corner. There you go. You can see him coming. Oh. Oh. Mm-mm. No, no. Before heading on his evening out, he had taken Viagra. Unbelievable, by the way. You're prepping for a night out in a sex fetish club in Berlin, so you take your Viagra before you get there. That's like me taking an anti-anxiety pill before I go on an aeroplane. When I'm standing... Before you do the show? Before I do the show. (laughs) I have to wash down some diazepam with a vodka. (laughs) Yes, the diazepam does knock the edges off this show. This is very Mm. true. This is why I suddenly come up with depth perfection. Uh. Before heading out on his evening, he swallowed his Viagra. And then he allowed a pal to inject a stimulant into his penis. That's almost like a double whammy. That's a belt and braces approach, is what you'd say in Britain. Like a belt and suspenders. You're doubling up. Do you see what I mean? Viagra and an injection. All at the same time. Doubling up is what he's doing. What was that, Scott? That's a pretty good pal to do that. Give him that injection. Yeah, a pretty good friend. That's right. right. (laughs) Keep still. 
It's cold. I can't see what I'm doing. I don't know why they use the word pal. This, I will tell you straight off the bat, because I know in which way the sentences are constructed, that this story was translated from German into English. Because a little bit later on, you find out it's not actually his pale at all. So I don't know why they use that word. But all will be revealed. He felt fine until two days later when he was rushed to hospital screaming in pain. Reliving his ordeal, he explained how he broke his willy in a documentary called The Viagra Epidemic Amongst Men and Its Dangers. Hulu will show anything now these days, won't they? By the way... Why would you announce that to the public, that that happened to you? All of these stories we read out week after week. Why would you announce that in the media? You'd want to keep quiet, wouldn't you? I mean, you know, you're announcing that you're going to a sex fetish club in Berlin and you've taken Viagra and they are now on a documentary for all your school children to see. Speaking from his hospital bed, Danny said, Right now, I just feel a bit rubbish. I think they've translated... And it was the word crap, and it's been translated from the German version of crap into rubbish. I feel a bit rubbish. So that is a great, compared to the agonizing pain I was going through. He said he was at a men-only fetish party called Lab. Again, why would you tell anyone this? Danny explained, I took Viagra because it's hard for me to get an erection when I'm drinking due to my anxiety medication. Anyway, I'm at a party. I meet a man. I took him home. Turns out it wasn't his pale after all. Turns out this man was into giving people erection-enhancing injections. Danny said it was the worst decision of my life. And he quickly realised a few days later, something was wrong. I was screaming in an ambulance. I could barely walk. And then the procedures themselves would sound like they were medieval tortures. Needles of different lengths inserted into my weenus. Doctors tried in vain to release... Which one? Uh, anyone they could find. Angel's to release banjo. his erection. The angel's banjo does not Is exist. Is that where you would insert the needle? Into the angel's banjo. You're literally making up male anatomy and it's all wrong. You know it's going to become a thing. Yeah, there's been many things we've said on this show that have become now idioms. <laughs> Do you remember about seven years ago I mentioned launching a sewer pickle and then that became common usage in Australia, apparently. Oh, good. Danny was very sick for a few days and he said he lost a lot of blood, saying it was more painful than he thought was humanly possible. Where did he lose it to? Over a ten. He's in Fall Berlin. Out? He left it in Berlin. Huh? Over a ten. It took his breath away. <laughs> No. <laughs> no. I love this show. And now he hopes telling his story will prevent many other guys from this horrible, painful condition. So if any of us here are thinking about going to a late night fetish German nightclub and letting strangers inject us in the penis, there's a lesson for everyone there. The 22-minute documentary is available on YouTube and has been viewed 500,000 times. Only 22 times. minutes long. For all the family. I'm guessing that's a half an hour episode when you put in two ad breaks. Wow. Dangerous German club or late night chub? You decide. Go to our really? Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee and you will see the chub in glorious Technicolor in 3D so for 22 how, minutes. How long did he have it for? Um, well, after two days he went there. He was in hospital for three weeks. No, how long was it hard? Three weeks. It was hard for three weeks. I have no idea. I don't have the ins and outs of all of this. That's a lot of this. 
Miss Morris <laughs> and he's choking her chicken. Yeah, I think we got the idea. Scott wasn't born in a barn, but he knows how to choke his own chicken. Are we done? Are you still going? <laughs> I can't believe you've got props over there. There's like whoopee cushions, chickens. I can see what's going on. It looks like the dollar store. Look. Oh, oh here we go. <laughs> we've, we've broken the seal. Now we're getting all of the... We're getting it all, aren't we? Over the mayhem and madness, Mr. Kenner, what have you got for me tonight yeah. in the round of Not For Your Mother? Well, the figure on the photograph is called Schwang Hall. What? I've been to Schwang Hall. It's fabulous. <laughs> I paid $5 to get in. It was a good night out. And then you had to go to the hospital for three weeks because of the injections? Yes, a stranger took me to Schwang Hall. I didn't know who it was. I just thought I'd agree to go along, and now they're making a documentary on it. Aww. Happy days. Lufthansa plane draws a giant penis in the sky during flight. A Lufthansa pilot could be in for some hard looks from bosses after drawing the shape of a penis in his flight path yesterday. The plane created the rude-looking picture while waiting to land at Bremen Airport in Germany. Lufthansa 350, which had been traveling from Frankfurt, was forced to circle the airport on arrival. The resulting line of travel mapped out a diagram of male genitalia which was captured by Flight Radar 24, a website that tracks commercial flights. It was shared on the Twitter page with the caption, landed on second landing attempt followed by a laughing emoji. <laughs> the tweet has since been retweeted almost 2,000 times and like 6,000 times. One Twitter user commented, landing a plane is harder than people think while another joked, come again? Oh, Some, my God. Uh, Several people, <laughs> people questioned whether the pilot knew what they were doing when they created the pattern, or if it was sheer luck. Uh-huh. It uh, isn't the first time a pilot has drawn a creative pattern with their flight path. That has been captured by flight radar. In 2017, an RAF pilot left plane spotters shocked after tracing a 35-mile-long penis in the skies above Lincolnshire. In 2017, a U.S. Navy pilot has landed himself in big trouble with his bosses after drawing a giant willy in the sky with the plane. Willy in the sky with diamonds. I knew you were going to say that. I wish I had a dollar. I've been to Lincolnshire. If I had a plane, I'd be drawing a penis over that as well. <laughs> Mr. Kenny, you've been an air traffic controller for most of your adult life. Have you ever seen anything like that on your own radar systems or tracking devices up there? Have you seen... Do pilots do this? Is this something that's common? I have never seen it, no. I did, disappointment abounds. Do pilots get a choice? I didn't think a pilot could choose what their flight path was. I thought it was all mapped out for them so they know where they are. Do they get much free reign in where they go? And if he's circling to find a landing spot, you know, and he's stacked up, do they get much say in, in, in how they go about their you holding know, drawing pattern. their holding pattern, if, for want of a better word? I mean, I didn't think there was much creativity to be had there. Is, is that something they can do? Yeah, there, yeah there's, some, there's certain flexibility. And if you look at a lot of holding patterns, actually circle north and right and north and south or left and right of the flight path. So you could conceivably do two testicles and a penis and, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very, I mean, he's done a good job. I mean, he's got, you know, he's drawing it in lots of detail. I like the fact that you can swing it left and right, up and down, hold it, and it's flexible. So that's impressive. 
Are they in the? I don't think it's accidental. I mean, you'd have to be trying. You'd have to be trying to do that. I think, and you'd probably need a little, little uh, help from the air traffic controllers, especially if you're at a bigger <laughs> airport. It's all happening over Germany right now, isn't it? I've been to Bremen as well, by the way, and uh, there's not a great deal there. It's a, uh, it's a rather grim and miserable industrial seaport up in the northern part of. Germany there. There's not a great deal to look at. I've been to Bremen and Bremenhaven. It's a pretty grim and miserable place, I might add. It was in fine detail, though, wasn't it? There's no way you're doing that by accident, is there? I mean, I actually saw... He's got two perfectly round spheres, and, and he's got everything there, almost like with a ruler and a compass, isn't he? Yeah, that's, yeah. The, the picture is definitely a penis. I'm, I'm glad that you spotted that for us. If I have any more penis pictures, you're obviously the man to go to for verification an unnamed 32 year old Georgia man was hospitalized with painful elongated erections and again I know I'm just I'm, I'm on a theme tonight I'm on a roll this is the stories that came up this week I don't know what to say they came up did they yes was it hard no but it kind of pointed me in the right <laughs> oh, direction oh good researchers say that his elongated erections have been caused by marijuana so this isn't good news for pot smokers the old Mary the Jane the man sought medical attention when his boner lasted 12 hours before returning two weeks later with a 60-hour stiffy, according to the Journal of Cannabis Research. Where are these men? I'd be reaching for a bag of frozen peas. I'm just telling you that right now. You'd have to peel me out of the aisle in Walmart in the frozen pea department is what's happening here. I'd be reaching for a horseshoe. Doctors. I after 20 minutes. We 60 hours. Wow. <laughs> Scott's doing 20 minutes. He's stopping in between. He's doing it twice and having a cigarette break. <laughs> Doctors at the Coliseum Medical Center in Macon say it's the first known case of cannabis-associated priapism in a patient where all other known cases of priapism have been excluded. The journal stated he had no medical history other than mild hypertension. Mild hypertension seems to be the villainy that leads us astray here in all of these stories, does it not? He took no medications, he used only cannabis, supported by his urinary drug screen, apparently. Further, his history exhibited a convincing correlation between his cannabis use and his episodes of recurrent priapism. Priapism refers to a very painful and long-lasting erection, which lasts for over four hours without sexual activity without so without. he so he grocery like, store he's going to the local agatha christie museum he's been he banned from his children's nativity play pressure release valve yes yes that's exactly what's required otherwise now. it stays inflated yes like you'd get on a rubber ring that you're going down the river on like you're going tubing you have to stick something in there to get the you know the <laughs> Oh, really? That's how it goes, That's the noise huh? it makes, apparently. Um. It's often linked to antidepressants or eliciting drugs use, such as cocaine, which can cause permanent damage. Where are they putting it? It makes you wonder where they're putting all this stuff. Inside the lip. Well, you say that. The hood. I'm led to believe, I don't know whether this is urban legend, and I'm sure our listeners could do the research, but Errol Flynn used to put a bit of cocaine up the old aisle there to make sure that he was a little bit more... Uh, seen in the room a little bit more you know standing at attention that's exactly right apparently cocaine in the eye hole there is the way to go but this is the first time researchers recorded a priapism related to using cannabis on a regular basis just smoking a spliff or i'm so stiff you decide go to our Uh, facebook site 
more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Miss Morris, you have the very last story in the round that we call Not For Your Mother. Do I? Do I? All right. Here we go. You're not doing carbs, are you? Um, no, I'm not. I'm trying to leave them alone. It's are... difficult when I'm out and about every other day, visiting yeah. Minneapolis and other places, to have a carb-free diet when you're on the road. Almost an impossibility. You can't be on the road and be boiling up cauliflower, can you? Do you see what I'm saying? You can. You're right. well, you can. Yeah, it's called an RV. <laughs> what are you doing back there? I'm boiling up some cauliflower some rice. Cabbage. Leave me alone. It's going to be a great I'm night. I'm bubbling up the ghost. I'm eating a can of and beans. chickpeas. What do you call them over here? They're not chickpeas. What do you call them? Gabanzo. Gabanzo. Chickpeas sounds better. What about you, Scott? Carbs? Now, he's watched a chickpea. I've seen it. Oh. Whoa. You're... Do you do carbs, Scott? Have you tried those diets? Yeah, I, I've kind of watched them, but this last weekend at Marscon, I drank a lot of beer, and that's a lot of carbs. Yeah, Aww. I did notice the fact, just to take the edge off being with us, I think, for the weekend. Yeah. yeah. Well, potatoes, potatoes, only belong in one human hole. Oh, no. That's right. You don't have to hammer it home. i got the idea. Do you, tuber? Oh, oh nice. <laughs> I hope they're little Maris Pipers and not a giant King Edward. That's where I'm going. A couple of Maris Pipers I could manage. I'm thinking I can't do a King Edward. Big old russet. Oh, they're, they're a beast. <laughs> the beast is the right... That's, that's not a beginner's potato. The, you have to start at the low-level stuff. The beast of Bogman. No, yeah, the beast of Boggly Eyes. <laughs> you have to start with the low-level stuff, like the Idaho's. You've got to work yourself up to the russet. Like the in, baby gems. That's it. You yeah. can't put a russet in your gusset unless you've gone to the no, Maris Pipers first. Not No big old Idahoan. No, we don't want that. Yeah. Doctors are starting to get very concerned about people who who subscribe to a dangerous home remedy touted on numerous (sighs) websites, which involves inserting a potato into the rectum. And what? Damn near killed them. What possible remedy could this resolve? What malady could this possibly result in? Let me help you with that. Thank you. Credible medical professionals. Anxiety by any chance, is it? Uh, stiffness. Stiffness in yeah. the bones. Are emphasizing that this will not, in fact, cure hemorrhoids. Well, pushing anything <laughs> up there is going to bring them back. <laughs> also known as piles. The old Farmer Giles. The old Rockford Files. Yes, Lovely. or speed bumps. The old <laughs> bum grapes. <laughs> Lovely. There is no medical evidence that putting frozen potatoes inside the anus. Anus. that's worth a drink of anyone's money here we go lovely can help cure piles so i would urge caution to anyone thinking of doing it what if you like scooped up mashed potato and pushed it up there with a spoon with mashed potato chips potato chips tater tots curly fries yes stuff some frozen tater tots up your hot dish In Minnesota. We call it art dish. They're doing it with tater tots. Of course they are. The rest of the world is using potatoes and you're in Minnesota, you're doing potatoes. And then when you evacuate, tots. we can call them pot dish. Oh, lovely. Yeah? I have no plan in evacuating a potato. <laughs> Look at those tater out of the tots. Old, out of the balloon knot. Oh, there oh, we wait. go. Lovely. <laughs> One tot. There. Two tots. All ready for the Lutheran Church basement potluck. (laughs) Q 
God, seasoned already. I went once to a Lutheran potluck in a basement. There was all kinds of weird and wonderful things. There was salad that like frog spawn. There was oh. stuff that was like green jello. I've never oh, seen. Oh yeah, yeah, that's frog's eye salad. Such it's a delicious. terrible collection of Minnesotan terrible foods in yes, all my and it days. Has rainbow marshmallows in it. Where I come from, salad is like leafy green vegetables. It's not Snickers that? bars, that's frog spawn, and green jello. Doesn't have any room jello. on the plate for that. Lovely. No. <gasps> By the way, and how would you describe ranch to a European? I've never come across ranch before. I see it for the first time in this country. If my mother was in the room now, how do you explain to her what ranch is? God, Delicious. I dare you. What is ranch? Delicious. It what belongs is it? on everything. What is it, though? Explain it's to like me what mayonnaise. it is. It's not, though, is it? It's not even an emotion. Sweet mayonnaise. Not really. With seasonings. What mayonnaise. is it? It's white, white ketchup, isn't it? delicious. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I prefer blue cheese. Well, if you are suffering from piles Lovely. or Adrian's... Wow. <laughs> and Heather's on? Minus ten. <laughs> By the way, before we go any further, the cap that you're wearing looks like one of you... You look like you're one of the, uh, the workers that hasn't got a high-level job on the Death Star. Do you know one Great. of the menial workers, <laughs> one that just has to press buttons or thinks, wow, there should be some sort of barrier here for health and safety reasons. You're the guy pressing the button for the death ray. Look at that cat. I am. Yeah, you should be on the Death Star. I am on the Death Star. <laughs> You're two promotions away from Moth Tarkin right now. Oh, I see what you're Do you see that? <laughs> see how that works, Scott? I think it's worth spending a dollar to watch the video just to see that Heather's casual wear this evening comes straight off of the Death Wish Spring Collection. Well, quiet now. I have to tell people how to get rid of Adrian's. Lovely. Suffering from a condition can... They attempt to treat it at home in a number of ways. But sticking frozen spuds up your butt (laughs) is not one of them. <laughs> she doesn't go into detail on the possible consequences of the at-home remedy, but one would think there are enough cautionary tales to discourage such efforts. Do you want fries with that? Adrians often go away on their own after a few days. <laughs> I get bored easily. <laughs> I just gonna yeah, laugh it up, Morris. Go on, laugh pi- it up. I, I scratched out piles and put Adrian on everything. It's not going to notice that Nathan's laughing as well, I might add. Don't worry, I'm taking notes. I've got my black book open. Notes are being made. I won't forget. That's it. Laugh it up, Billy. We'll see who wins next week's show. I can hear Scott laughing too. That's why didn't you implicate him as well? (laughs) Yep. Lovely. My granddad suffered terribly with the Adrian. (laughs) But there are some tried and trusted ways to keep them at bay. (laughs) Keep me occupied. Give me a Sudoku. Give him a crayons. Yeah, I'm happy for hours. Uh, You should drink plenty of fluids. I've been trying. (laughs) And maintain a fiber-rich diet. A fiber-rich diet, yep. And try having regular warm baths to ease itching and pain. I've got a shower, to be honest. You're laughing rather too much now, and it's becoming tedious. It's becoming fun. My stomach hurts. If home treatments don't work, she adds those with Adrian should go to the doctor. 
and not begin prescribing an increasingly outlandish cure instead. Hemorrhoid cream is great for the repair and maintenance of tattoos. When I used to get tattoos, because you don't want the scabs to form after the gun, you're supposed to rub uh, hemorrhoid cream on your tattoos. does an incredible job of so the scabs don't form. <sighs> yes. Would you like to hear more of this doctor's advice? Well, I went into the pharmacy and said I need some hemorrhoid cream. And she said, do you want cream or ointment? And I said, I have no idea. It's for my tattoo. That yes. was a conversation. And the pharmacist said I'd never heard of that before. Yeah. Keep going then. Go on, let's have it. Yeah, bring it down. Bring what down? What we've information. All right. yeah, well, well, the doctor carries on. She says, Adrian, her. Adrian's can be irritating. Oh, for the... <laughs> what do you it's mean, a terrible be? condition. <laughs> and sufferers of... are sometimes too embarrassed to seek professional help. <laughs> Turning to old wives' tales instead. Nathan's literally urinated. Look at that. Yes. God. Yeah, it's all funny now, isn't it? She said shoving a potato up your ass is ineffective. Get rid of Who knew? What benefit would be shoving a potato up your ass do for anything? Well, how would that benefit you for anything? Oh, my God. <sighs> One person wrote, strange as it sounds, a poultice made from grated potato Gross. is <laughs> astringent and soothing That's on a, your anus. A, on your anus. Yes, for your... So basically Agents. hash browns. Yep, throw a hash brown on there. <laughs> That's where the word browns comes from. God. They weren't hash browns until I finished with them. <laughs> Hang on, let me have a closer look. You're going to meet a tall, dark stranger, be lucky with money, and look out for the number eight. Oh, another had instructions that said, insert the frozen potato slice in your anus and leave it inside for at least 30 seconds <sighs> before you shoot the fry back out again. <laughs> Do it at least three to five times a day. I understand what that's what they do at McDonald's. You shove a fry up your ass. That's right. Yes. Crinkle cut? I'm sure Stephen Fry's <laughs> husband's doing it on a regular basis. Oh, so you stop it right there, Mr. Lee. Wow. You're done for the evening, are you? Look yeah, I told people how to get rid of their Adrians. I see. With your Death Star mm. casual wear for the, yeah. for the year. Look at your cap. Hemorrhoids, I've only just begun. <laughs> Or oven-ready fries up the bum. You decide, go to our Facebook site, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Well, all good things come to an end. So let us look at tonight's scores in last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery. It's Nathan. He scored a giant duck egg this evening. He gets a collection of Agatha Christie books, a pencil, a button, and a night with a mummy. So Edgar Allan Poe is going to be very jealous there. In third place tonight, it was myself. I never got beyond a double integer of two. I get a night in a Grimsby Art College with two Japanese soldiers, a monkey, just like most Friday nights. I'll have fun with that. In second place tonight is Miss Morris. She scored the hedonistic heights of four. She gets a burnt Mexican ventriloquist doll and a towel. If you really want to get on in this universe, you've really got to know where your towel is. But in resplendent first place tonight, winning the $33,000 IR camera all the way up there in Duluth. Scoring himself six sexy points is Scott Kenner. He gets a piano lesson with an Irish ghost and a full poltergeist orchestra. Play that funky tuper, Dead Boy. Scott, you've won. Your present and 
prize will be in the post very shortly. We'll lose it. Yeah, I'll hand it to you the next time I see you. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee. Remember, you can now jump over to SoundCloud, search for MQTA Radio, and you can catch any of our shows with an extra 25 minutes of filth. At the end of those, my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Jeton Dr- and Nathan Bush, Scott Kenner, and all of the International Paranormal Society in Paranormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. You've been listening to MQTA Radio, the only paranormal news quiz show anywhere in the world with your host, Adrian Lee. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Good night.